Well, thanks for listening to the Spreaker Live Show. This is episode 183 for March 20th, 2019. This is where we talk all things podcasting and live audio with the goal of helping you be a better podcaster or live show host and to even earn some cash along the way for all your efforts. My name is Rob Greenlee. I'm the Vice President of Podcaster Relations at Foxness that operates Spreaker. And this is the official podcast of the Spreaker platform that's also part of VoxNest. Let's kind of uh, talk a little bit about some stuff that's going on in the uh, the podcasting space this week. I'm excited. I'm back from my trip to PodFest and was also on a uh, Spreaker retreat to Spain. Um, so that's one of the reasons why there hasn't been a, a show over the last couple of weeks. Actually, the, the last uh, episode that I did was uh, an episode of the new media show from PodFest Orlando that's in the uh, Spreaker Live show uh, list of episodes. But uh, we stream this show live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern from SpreakerLiveShow.com. And uh, we're available just about every place that you can think of to listen to a podcast. So podcast about podcasting needs to be a little bit of... Uh, Everywhere, I guess, um, needs to be uh, accessible on all of the major listening platforms out there, which is constantly expanding and growing. But I uh, wanted to thank you for joining me today here. I'm solo again this week. Um, Alex is out of the, the pocket this week, and, and so uh, it's just going to be you and me on the show this week. And I do have a, a guest that's going to be joining me a little bit later in the show, too, and I will explain that a little bit later in the show. But I do have a special announcement that I want to put out there and uh, let all of the, the loyal listeners that I have to this and anybody new that happens to be a uh, podcaster. I am looking for some terrific podcasters and shows with more than 1,000 to 2,000 plus downloads per episode to possibly partner with in a new Prime program that VoxNest Spreaker is uh, kicking off and, and building. And please send me an email, rob at spreaker.com, if you think you might qualify for some additional show support that uh, if your show is in that size range. And one of the reasons that I do this show is to help podcasters that are currently on Spreaker or if you're hosting at other places is to help you grow your show and to be more successful in your own mind about whether or not your show is reaching uh, the audience that it's trying to reach and growing at the rate that you want to have it grow um, and offering tips and tricks. And that's one of the big reasons why if you have questions or if you want to learn a little bit more, uh, feel free to reach out to me at rob at speaker.com and would love to, to help you. But especially if you're in a show that's doing, like I said, uh, a thousand to 2000 plus downloads. So obviously if you're doing more than that, I think that there's um, some things that we can do together to, to partner, to drive some more value to what you're doing with Spreaker. And if you're not on Spreaker, um, maybe this is an opportunity for you to think about maybe a, maybe a new host that's maybe wanting to um, uh, work with you at a deeper level. You know, So we're looking for shows that are not like at the high end of the spectrum, but um, as far as downloads, you know, and that... I mean, it's great to get those shows in here, but uh, we're trying to create a program that is going to help the little smaller podcasts to be successful and and to grow their shows, and that's that's great for 
for everyone. That creates a win-win situation. Uh, a lot of shows that are in the one to 2,000 range are right on the cusp of um, growing even more and becoming larger shows and, and being a real viable show in your mind and in your efforts, uh, especially as you look at monetization and trying to earn, earn a little revenue from your show. So feel free to reach out to me, Rob at Spreaker.com, and, and let's see what we can do. If you're in that one to 2,000 minimum um, size range right now, uh, we definitely want to want to hear from you and see what we can do together. So uh, like I said, uh, write me, Rob at Spreaker.com. It's really easy. But uh, let's cover um, what we're going to talk about this week on the show. The top topic is the power of joining or starting a podcaster or listening community. And this is kind of fundamental to podcasting, but we're going to go into a, a little bit deeper detail about um, how to actually do some some of that kind of stuff. And and it may have a dramatic impact on the size of your podcast and your connection with your listener community. So uh, in the interview this week, we're going to be discussing creating a podcast business plan. As most podcasts are actually small businesses, depending on what you're doing with your podcast, if you're supporting uh, a product or service that you're selling or you're working for a, a company, uh, large or small uh, podcasts are usually linked up with some sort of a business activity. Uh, so we have a terrific guest in here that's going to be talking about um, creating a business plan for your podcast. And her name is Debbie DeChambeau, who's been a longtime podcaster. And I want to play a little clip from uh, the conversation that I had with Debbie on creating a business plan. I come from the school that people should definitely have some sort of a plan. And I think I like to look at the plan as a roadmap. It's not mm -hmm. something that you do once and it stays the same the whole time. It's something that sort of changes as technology changes. It changes as the business grows, as it expands, as, as you have different needs. But if people are looking to have a business, I absolutely think that they need to have some sort of a plan. And in our podcast promo of the week, we have a um, multilinguish podcast by Babbel. It's basically a podcast uh, for the language curious. So I'm going to play a clip from that a little bit later in the episode. And our featured promo of the week is The Live Drop, uh, who's hosted by Mark Valley. It's stories from the elusive world of the intelligence and collection um, activities and espionage out there. So it's uh, from the world of the CIA and, and Mark really digs into that. He's a a, a former TV star and has played many, many characters in movies and TV. So he's really digging deep into it. He's former military as well. He's digging deep into um, sharing the inside world of the intelligence community and collections of intelligence and CIA and espionage. So we're, I'm going to play a clip from his show a little bit later in the show. And and if you want to send me an audio promo for your show, I'd be happy to play it on the show. Just create an MP3 file. Uh, it's basically it can be like 20 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever you basically work it out to be. It doesn't have to be a hard and fast uh, duration, but send it to me, rob at speaker.com and be happy to play it. And then I'm also going to talk a little bit about the podcaster uh, podcasting and Spreaker's event calendar that's coming up for the next uh, two or three months, uh, where I'm going to be and where Spreaker's going to be. So if you happen to be living in those areas, you might want to join us at that. But uh, well, let's let's move on and talk uh, talk about our segment 
of our main segment of the week on the show today. Um, The power of joining or starting a podcaster and, and or listening community. Spreaker has published a terrific blog post basically about this topic at blog.spreaker.com. And really, the two platforms that dominate for building podcaster and listener communities are Meetup and Facebook groups, or a mix of both. You could probably throw into the mix Google groups, but it, it, it's still a little bit um, on the old school side. Uh, it's not as it doesn't. It has a good engagement, you know, for conversations, but it's not as visual as what you typically are getting these days with uh, Meetup and Facebook. So, building a community around um, either podcasters. So let's say in a local city, you want to create a Meetup uh, and bring local podcasters together. Uh, which I've done for many years in the Seattle market um, of of using uh, or the meetup technology. It's basically a website that you go to meetup.com to create an event and find a location. And it gives you all the tools to create an engaging experience for a potential attendee to RSVP and sign up where Facebook um, kind of has a little bit of that function as well. Uh, but it's really, really great at um, conversation and building connections between people. And obviously just about everybody in the, in the world that's connected to the internet is connected up with Facebook. So you can see kind of the, the, the power of that. The blog post does talk about another platform called Telegraph, uh, which is gaining traction in some of the Spanish-speaking countries. But generally, when you look at um, these technologies or these platforms to build community, uh, Meetup r- really excels at, um, at helping new people discover these events uh, for, for attendees to um, and actually attend. And Facebook is really more appropriate for group discussions. It's kind of really interesting, though, is that the dynamic – um, of Meetup is that it's great for R- RSVPs. So if you use the Meetup technology to get people to to say that they may be coming or uh, or they may be or definitely are coming, what we've also I guess what's also been found in this uh, blog post is that some of those people don't always show up. So, but I guess uh, Facebook is really really great at um, getting people to uh, actually show up two events. So I think that the, the conclusion that I draw from this and just based on my own experience of running meetups for many years, that I think it's a very powerful combination to have both uh, meetup and Facebook groups. Now, Facebook groups is free uh, meetups. You typically do have to pay for. So it's a little bit of uh, a deal where you have to have a certain level of commitment to what you're doing and have a goal and, and building whatever community that you're trying to bid, build. I, I would say meetups are really more physical world meetups. So unless you're doing a, a real world event where people come to a location, I, I would use meetup. But if you're trying to do kind of like community building around listeners uh, or even podcasters, but you don't want to do the whole physical event type things. And Facebook groups is really a terrific way to do that. I know one of the most popular Facebook groups out there for podcasters. And if you haven't joined this group, it's probably a good one to join is the podcast movement Facebook group. There's a lot of terrific discussion that goes on there about things that are happening in the podcaster space. 
in the blog post, it kind of runs through all the stuff. And if you go to blog.spreaker.com, you can read the full article. And it's basically like a little bit of a research study on on uh, what organizers, there's a list of organizers that we talked to that gave us tips and tricks on on what they're doing with their communities on around podcasting. And, and it's kind of detailed in this article. So one other thing I wanted to mention about physical world events is that attendance can vary a lot based on the month of the year, the venue, the purpose of the event. Um, and these, these real world events or communities just in general attract all levels of podcasters. So you can, you can get kind of the, the, the highest level of podcaster are the ones that have been doing it the longest to people that are just coming into the medium and wanting to learn. So if you're putting on one of these events, you need to think about that and try and cater to that. It can be a little bit of a difficult balance. Um, it can be a little disheartening at times because sometimes your events um, that you put on, not, not that many people show up. Uh, then there's other events that you put on when you kind of get overwhelmed with people. So uh, and it usually tends to skew, and this is really odd sometimes, it tends to skew more towards the beginning of, of putting on events where you get a larger group of people showing up to the first couple of events. And then it tends to kind of peter off a little bit uh, as people churn through going to these events. Now, if you can keep the excitement level going based on Facebook groups, uh, and building relationships between people that are involved in the community that you're building, then I think you're more likely to get more people showing up so they can see their their friends. So I, I think that's that's a dynamic that you kind of have to play into to some degree. And there needs to be some value at this event too, though I've wrestled with having speakers and you know at the meetups that I put on and and or just having just a networking event right where people just show up and they talk about whatever they want to talk about it's it's not you know i think walking that line maybe some of your events maybe you bring in a speaker other events are just networking events uh, i think you just have to uh, feel it out with your with your community and see what works best but being an event organizer like this and being at the center of a community can be a very powerful thing for you um, if you're trying to build a podcaster community of listeners, right, to your own podcast, because you're building a reputation in that community as a leader, and you're building your leadership brand um, that can help you professionally, potentially, as well as with your podcast, if you happen to be a, a podcaster as well. On the um, listener community side, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. I mean, is is um, you know, it's very powerful, I think, to have a Facebook group. And that's something that I should do for this show. I haven't done it myself. I need to take my own advice. But to create a, a Facebook group for this community, it's a place to go where people can regularly contribute and talk. And and it creates that uh, listener connection, which is so important. I mean, oftentimes the listener connection is more important uh, and that's listener to listener connection is just as important as the listener connection to the host. Um, so, so th those are very important things. But uh, definitely go read the article blog at blog.spreaker.com, and you can read a lot more detail on this. I, I just kind of superficially covered most of this in the um, the episode this week, but I, I just wanted to give you a little bit of teaser and some of my own experience on what I've been through and putting on events and, and having, I haven't built a listening community in any of these platforms yet myself, but it was mainly kind of like meetups and 
real world events. So I would, I, I would say that now is a great time to actually start that. But let's move on and talk a little bit about um, our podcast promo of the week. It's the Multilinguist Podcast by Babbel USA, and this is a language learning app. The key thing that I wanted to say about these folks is if you are not multilingual, but are you language curious, uh, this podcast allows you to explore how languages connect um, all of us from the producers at the language learning app called Babbel. And in season one, they dig into unsolved linguistic mysteries, sexist robots, and the best travel advice you've never heard. They look at all things related to language and the impact of, on society. And new episodes come out every Tuesday. So they just launched. They've only been doing episodes, I believe now. This is only the third episode. So I'm going to play a little sample clip from uh, this podcast. And if you're intrigued by uh, linguistic language, this may be the podcast for you. Language is the common ground for, well, everything. In a time where there's so much to disagree about, language is something that brings us together, that rare thing that we all share, and there's so much more to learn about it beyond vocab and grammar. Our five-person podcast team has almost 50 years of language education between us. We've each spent the better parts of our lives trying to learn languages and learn more about languages. As the editorial team at Babbel, the language app, We've interviewed linguistic experts, polyglots, celebrities, celebrity polyglots, and collected more delightful, thought-provoking content than we could ever use on Babbel Magazine. So now we're sharing this knowledge with you. In the first season of Multilinguish, we explore unsolved language mysteries. So after all this time, no one's deciphered what it says or what language it's in? I mean, the thing about the Voyage Manuscript is that all of its mystique lies in the fact that it's unsolved. I mean, we don't like mystery, but that's because we want to solve the mystery. But at the same time, if it's solved, then it ruins everything. We explain how language is creating sexist robots. Alexa, are you sexist? I think everyone deserves to be treated with fairness, dignity, and respect. I'm going to label that like a half-truth. You know, it seems like being a bit of a scold, but I think we're starting to become more aware of the potential adverse effects of actually just saying, you know, like, well, artificial intelligence, it's so innovative, it's so creative, it's so good. We share the best travel advice you've never heard. I really wanted to get a wide array of perspectives on solo travel and also amass some language advice that's specific to situations that women and LGBTQ travelers might encounter on the road. Traveling solo is really different from being at home. And think about, like, you know, do you need to have lots of people around you or are you happy just with your own company? We debate if different languages create different worldviews. I think it's quite ridiculous to assume that the way we talk, the language that we use, affects the way that we think and see the world. That just doesn't make a lot of sense to me because it implies that we are all walking around this earth, different populations, interpreting reality in totally different ways. I mean, aren't we all, aren't we all just individuals trying to interpret things? And how do we make sense of anything besides with language? And wouldn't it make sense that the language we speak would then influence the way that we do perceive things? We determine, once and for all, the sexiest European and American accents. It's one of the most important questions of our time. What's the sexiest accent in the world? I come from France. Ah! Oh. Paris. The atmosphere of the city. 
I think it's my favorite thing for the moment. So I was born in uh, North Carolina, uh -huh. um, a small town, pretty rural. Uh, it's actually called Goldsboro. Right. I'm Jen Jordan, executive producer of Continent Babel. Together, our team is multilinguish. Not totally multilingual, but definitely language curious. Subscribe today wherever you get podcasts. Well, that sounds like a terrific podcast. Uh, it looks like they've done uh, a lot of um, terrific work in that and getting that launched. And that can actually be found right on the homepage of Spreaker.com. It's it's one of the, the top featured podcasts for this week. So uh, if you're curious about language, it's uh, it's an interesting podcast. They talk about things that I haven't heard um, talked a lot about on in, in podcasts, uh, the topic of linguistics and how it impacts our culture. So definitely go go check that out if you're curious. But uh, let's move on and talk about our featured podcast show of the week. And that is a show called The Live Drop. That is hosted by Mark Valley um, as he ventures into the elusive world of intelligence collection and espionage to spot and assess, debrief, uh, spies, spy catchers, analysts, diplomats, and occasionally the actor who portrays them. Uh, who's uh, Mark Valley has been an actor that uh, has played, uh, you know, these type of roles before too. And he's former military. So he's got a lot of real world experience and he's making connections in this world to bring them to you. If you wanted to go to his website, it's at thelivedrop.com. And in the most recent episode, Mark talks with Tom Picora, and he's a 24 year CIA veteran and senior clandestine security manager, um, and they talk about the CIA's war on terror and a career in the clandestine security operations. So let's listen to a, a sample from the live drop. It's one of the things that became very important to me later on training the younger people were to help them understand that this there's a risk when you go into this business and that you have to be ready for some of the, the effects. Welcome to the live drop. This is the Mad Minute for my guest, Tom Kapora, 24-year CIA veteran, senior security manager. Tom talks about his book, Guardian, Life in the Crosshairs of the CIA's War on Terror and a Career in the Clandestine Security. I wanted to talk to him about the mindset of stealth and getting off the X and how to protect those in the business of risking it all for information. What I got was a chat with kind of the Forrest Gump of the global war on terror. He cites his early experiences with Islamic terrorists in the Philippines, Bosnia, North Africa, Mogadishu, Somalia, Afghanistan, Iraq, and probably a half a dozen other places he's not at liberty to name. We had a frank and personal discussion of PTSD and the universal advice he offers to anyone entering the clandestine service. Be humble and ask for help. Know yourself. Create strong cross-functional relationships. Solve problems at the lowest level. Nurture passion. Show appreciation begin transmission now yeah i i was up till 3 30 in the morning reading your book <laughs> so uh yeah wow it's it's bizarre that I, I can sit and meet somebody and i've read a book and i read you know so much about your life and now i'm just it feels a little unfair is what i'm trying to say i'm just meaning like uh, hi hi tom I know, <laughs> I know everything you're willing to say about yourself pretty much and uh, more than my family knows yeah, there's some interesting family members, too. I want to talk about that. Um, Unknown. Yeah. I was interviewing some guys from um, uh, 
it was recently declassified a few years ago, but it was called Detachment A in Berlin. I don't know if you know those guys, but they were sort of a precursor for Delta Force. Some of them ended up going on to Operation Eagle Claw, but I was interviewing them a few years ago, and one guy was talking about how they suspected that the jackal was in Berlin because, you know, the relations with East Germany and Berlin, and they were sort of chasing him through the streets, but apparently he ended up in Khartoum, so. Yeah, I doubt as a Greek merchant. As a Greek merchant. What was he selling? Like teacups? Oh, he was, he was just running around with a bodyguard getting drunk. Right, right. Yeah. He, was, he had uh, such a recognizable face, though. Did he do anything to change it? Or? He was, well, you know how we caught him. Uh, not to take away too much from Billy's book, but he, uh, yeah. Billy caught him coming out of a, a, lip, uh, a clinic who was going to go undergo liposuction. Oh, so he was going to change it up a little bit. Yeah. I bet he was he, probably saying. I bet he was probably saying he was doing it for professional reasons. But you know, he yeah. probably he might have wanted to trim up a little bit. You know. Oh yeah, he's yeah. very vain, very vain guy. Yeah, it's a terrific uh, show. The the live drop uh, as Mark Valley dives into the the world of 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 intelligence and espionage and talks to some of the the, the veterans um, that have worked in the CIA and the clandestine service. So. Um, go check that out. It's at thelivedrop.com, and it's also a, uh, a show that's available on Spreaker. It's actually hosted and made available through through the Spreaker platform. So um, uh, it was terrific to play his sample clip on here to get him some exposure, like uh, you can do too if you wanted to send me uh, a, a clip from your show or make a recommendation to me. I'm happy to... Uh, to, to review it and see if uh, it, it fits for a segment on the Spreaker Live Show. Send it to rob at Spreaker.com. Happy to do it. Well, let's talk about a, a listener comment that we got from Linda Irwin. Um, and she makes a comment. Uh, I have used licensed uh, music from the Epidemic Sound service that's available through Spreaker. If you go to the Spreaker store, if you go to Spreaker.com forward slash store, you can see a list of services that you can get access to to help um, create a Better show uh, with uh, functions around having artwork made to getting some licensed music for your show. Um, but um, she created a whole show uh, out of uh, Epidemic Sound music. And what she found is is that uh, in Spotify, the music shows tend to have more listeners than her comedy shows. So it's an interesting dynamic. I guess it makes sense. Spotify is a music streaming service. So uh, Linda, it... It certainly makes sense, and that certainly fits within the, the license of the Epidemic Sound service. So if you can come up with a, a show that's really centered around music using that royalty-free music, uh, I think it's a it's an interesting idea. And I, I do think, just kind of to speak more broadly about this topic of music and podcasts, there are people in the industry that are working pretty hard and aggressively right now to uh, open open the doors to getting um, at least partial track music uh, licensed and able to be played within podcasts. Uh, so I think over the next couple of months, we're going to see some things start to break through there um, and and may give us some opportunities to actually utilize some um, some licensed music um, to, to play in our podcasts. I, I think the industry is starting to wake up a little bit on at least the music industry anyway, around what the potential is there for cross promotion promotion of music in uh in podcasts so uh we shall see that there's still going to be a paid license that's going to be involved here like uh you know, you know similar to what we have with the epidemic sound 
um, type of thing. It's probably going to be a little bit different structure than the Epidemic Sound, which is, I, I believe it's $99 a year to get access to 35,000 um, different music tracks that are in the uh, the Epidemic Sound platform. And I believe that we have um, another partnership for another music provider. and We may have multiple um, partnerships uh, through the speaker platform for music providers over the next few months. So uh, it's an exciting time for podcasting and music. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. But let's let's talk a little bit about the podcasting and Spreaker events calendar. Um, I'm going to be at the Annie B Show uh, in Las Vegas, April 6th through the 11th, uh, and that's 2019. Uh, Voxness is going to be there. Um, you know, Spreaker tags along with Voxness, so I'm going to be there along with a, a, a colleague of mine. Um, and his name is Matia. He's going to be in, in our booth. Um, at the at the event in the central hall, so you can find us if you happen to be uh, wanting to to attend the NAB show. Uh, you can certainly do that. Just go to nabshow.com, and I believe you can sign up to be a be a a visitor to there. You can get a ticket to get in and um, come by and say hi. So it would be terrific to uh, to see you if you happen to be in Vegas or you want to come in for this. This event. I'm also going to be speaking at the Elance's Grand Table event in Phoenix, Arizona, at Arizona State University on April 2nd at 8 a.m. So if you wanted to go to Elance's, and that's E L I A N C E S dot com in uh, Phoenix, Arizona on April 2nd um, at 8 a.m., uh, you can see me there as well. Uh, I'm also going to be at the Outliers. Uh, podcast festival in Austin, Texas. I'm going to be keynoting there. Um, and the event is dated, uh, May 17th through the 18th at outliercs.com. So if you wanted to find out more about that, Spreaker is also going to be, uh, or Voxness is going to be at the audio craft podcast festival in Sydney, uh, Australia, uh, May 31st through June 2nd. Uh, they've announced their lineup of uh, speakers and our very own Jonathan Zenti, uh, who's uh, the head of content for Voxness and is a podcaster himself. He did a podcast called Meet, and that's M-E-A-T, will be joining the list of speakers uh, down under. That's the current event calendar of um, events that are coming up uh, for Spreaker and actually podcasting. I think that, well, there, there's other events that are coming up. Uh, I'm I'm trying to get in a relationship with uh, PodX, uh, dot com. Uh, that is um, an event that's in Nashville. Uh, so, you know, it's still pending whether or not I'm going to be able to attend that event. But if you wanted to check out PodX, just go to podx.com. That's P-O-D-X, the letter X.com. And you can read about that as well, but that's coming up. Uh, and then um, the the Pod Summit or the podcast, was it? Uh, Pod Summit up in Canada, if I can remember it properly. Pod Summit down up in Canada is coming up here in June again. I may be up there as well. Um, so, you know, lots of events going on and podcast movements coming up here in um, August. So, uh, you know, lots of things coming and we'll keep you up to date with what's going on with all that. But let's move on and get to our interview for the day. I'm joined on the show today by Debbie DeChambeau, who's. Um, part of the Select Business Team, LLC, and she's a podcaster with a few of her own business podcasts, 
and was a presenter of a session at the Podcast Multimedia Expo in Orlando on the topic of business planning for podcasters and thought that it would be a great topic for the Speaker Live show to help uh, podcasters think about um, getting serious around their, their business. And Debbie does two podcasts uh, herself. Uh, one is called Business in Real Life. Uh, it's in the uh, Apple uh, podcast catalog. And then the other one is the Business of Insurance podcast. So um, let's go ahead and jump in and uh, you can meet Debbie as she talks about, you know, how to create a business plan for your podcast. So um, let's let's do that now. Debbie, welcome to the Speaker Live Show. It's great to have you on the show with me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is going to be fun. what I was hoping to do with you was kind of talk through some scenarios. Now, podcasters face this dilemma of, um, do I create a business or is this podcast just a hobby? And that presents some challenges. And as I've said on this show many times, uh, most podcasters need to have some sort of a plan for their podcast when they get started. Uh, but most of my talk has been around planning for the content or planning for your distribution or how you're going to market your show. Um, what I was hoping to cover in our conversation, Debbie, is is it important to have a business plan? And is that part of the overall plan for your podcast, whether or not it's a hobby or, or a business? Kind of, What's your thoughts on that? I come from the school that people should definitely have some sort of a plan. And I think I like to look at the plan as a roadmap. It's not mm-hmm. something that you do once and it stays the same the whole time. It's something that sort of changes as technology changes. It changes as the business grows, as it expands, as, as you have different needs. But if people are looking to have a business, I absolutely think that they need to have some sort of a plan. Does that need to be a, a huge drawn out thing or there's like 50 pages to this plan or can a podcaster just start out just, just with a basic outline and, and kind of create it as they, as they grow and develop? They absolutely could. The key is, do they want to go after funding? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that a lot of podcasters think about is getting funding through sponsorships and ads on their right. podcast. But there's lots of other ways to get funding. I mean, you think about Gimlet, and Gimlet went after funding, and that's how they started their organization. If you want to go after some sort of funding, whether it be from a bank, whether it be from friends, you know, just to kind of cover your startup costs or whatever, having that plan shows that you've really put some thought into what you're doing for running the business, not for creating the content, but for running the business. And I think that's where it can be really, really valuable. So you think that more podcasters are able to go out and get funding and how would that be accomplished? Do you think I come from an era in podcasting where it was really kind of more of a a hobby kind of thing to do and you kind of use it to support maybe your, your existing uh, career and things like that. But more and more podcasters are getting in a situation where they can generate some serious revenue from their podcast if they have a terrific concept. So, I mean, where do those funding sources typically come from? They're everywhere. And at the same time, they're nowhere. And I say that because <laughs> yeah. it is not easy to get money. You know, so many people who start up with a business, they think they can go to the bank and get money. The reality of it is you can't do that. Banks don't really give startup businesses money unless they have a whole bunch of collateral that they're willing to put up. Um, There's a lot of people who are going after seed money today through venture capitalists. Depending on the concept, they might be able to get it. But without that plan, they don't even have a starting point. So that's where the plan can be effective. 
But, you know, podcasters, it's not just creating the content. There's a lot of podcasters that have created side businesses from this, whether it be in editing, whether it be in writing content, whether it be in creating websites just for podcasters. All of that, to me, is is part of the podcasting space. And those kinds of people need business plans as well. So as you think about a, a, a plan, um, let's kind of run through kind of like the, the highlights of what that plan is comprised of and and um, what you're trying to accomplish when you lay out a plan like this. So if you go online and you search business plans, there's a couple of specific parts to it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to focus on a couple of them, but I'm going to run through real quickly. You have a cover sheet, pretty simple. It's like the beginning of a, a, a paper when we did college papers or high school papers, those kinds of things. The executive summary is the kind of thing that it's a summary of the rest of the plan. Most people try to do that in the beginning, but in the reality of it, it needs to be done at the end. Who your company is, um, and by that, if you're setting up a business under the company description, then what you're looking at is, are you setting yourself up as an LLC? Are you setting yourself up as a sole proprietor? Are you incorporating your business? Are you a B corporation? So you sort of have done the research to understand what your entity structure is. The marketing competitive analysis we're all podcasters, so the question would be, do we need more podcasts? But it's, I think we do. I don't think there's ever an unlimited amount of podcasts that we would have. We can never have too many podcasts, I don't think. But it's, what's your niche, and can you make money at that niche? That's really what that market and competitive analysis is. You have the marketing piece, which I'll come back to in a second. You have the operations and management. You have the financial, and then there's any kind of supporting documents. To me, the most important two parts of it is what is your marketing plan and what is the financial plan. And my guess is that most podcasters don't have a strong financial background. They can learn the marketing piece and they can learn the financial, but they're not really thinking financial. They're content creatives. That doesn't always think about money. But you really, as a business, need to focus in on the money because that's what makes you a business is making money. So I think that the marketing plan and the financial plan are the two of all of the components that a podcaster should be thinking about in creating the business plan. Mm-hmm. So as you think about that financial part, and I, I agree with you, I think most podcasters, when they get started, they don't think about the financial plan too much. And I know it's been a topic that's come on our, our blog at, uh, at Spreaker here recently around creating um, kind of like a budget for what you're doing as well. So there's, there's multiple layers to this from looking at it from a financial perspective and and it also depends on how you're going to generate revenue from your podcast. Is it from advertising? Are you selling other things too? So having a financial plan, what's the scope of the, this plan as far as you're thinking about it? Is it just structure of bank accounts and how the money flows through the business? What's the scope of it in revenue projections, things like that? Is that what you're thinking? For the most part, yes. I mean, for a startup podcaster, it's what are your startup expenses going to be? You know, a lot of podcasters can get started with bare minimum. I mean, they can get in for less than $500. And -hmm. you can do a pretty effective job with that. But then it's, you know, how much time do you spend in marketing? And what are those costs going to be? How much time and money are you going to spend in the content creation and the content research and that types of things? And sometimes it's putting a dollar value to those things, too, because time is money. But also, you know, if you're going to want to make money, it's part of that to me is finding the money before you get started 
versus waiting until you're up and running and trying to figure it out. So if you're truly running a business, when you're looking at the financial piece and you go, you know, I got to have revenue of $5,000 every month, what am I going to do to generate that revenue? Mm -hmm. You might go and find, figure out how to do that before you actually begin to start podcasting. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah, it does. So as you think about creating that plan, I would think falling out of that plan would um, involve some what of kind of building a business team around your business because really what you're creating here is a is a company or a, or a business and most businesses need basic uh, support help like accountants or bookkeepers or or insurance or a banker or somebody like that that can help give you some expertise. So what do you recommend on how to build a team? But let me elaborate on it a little bit, okay? Let's start with the financial piece, like sort of picking up where we left off. If a lot of creators don't have the financial savvy that they need, then they need to be learning about bookkeeping and they need to be learning about having the right books so that come tax time, they don't end up getting audited by the IRS. Um, If they're going to set themselves up as a business, they need to be speaking with that business attorney to figure out what are my, what's the best entity structure for me? Like I mentioned earlier, from the LLC to the sole proprietor to the S Corp or C Corp, you know, understanding what the right entity structure is, is different from person to person, business to business. And that's never something that somebody should go online and say, hey, what should I be? Your attorney's going to tell you from one perspective, your accountant's going to tell you from another perspective, and hopefully they're both giving you the same information based on the business that you want to start. But a business attorney is also going to help with contracts. Um, If you're going to be outsourcing some work or if you're going to be bringing on guests, you need to have contracts with them so that you don't get yourself in trouble and there's clear understanding what you can do with the content that they, they deliver. With the content that you're creating, you may even need to talk to a copyright attorney or intellectual property attorney because they may have some different advice for you as well. Mm-hmm. So those are, you know, that's a couple of the things. And then there's the insurance piece. And a lot of podcasters would say, well, I'm just doing it from home. I don't need insurance. But there's this little thing called slander. And what if we say something wrong about somebody else and they decide to sue us? So a lot of people don't care what they say on their podcasts, but they're setting themselves up for a liability suit. So I think that's where they need to have some insurance in place as well. And yeah, then, I agree that the whole slander thing can be a little bit of an issue out there depending on what type of shows you're producing. I've seen co-hosts and I've seen um, guests and I've seen people that uh, host shows that talk about other people that, you know, that are maybe involved in their lives. And um, there's serious fights start sometimes. Sometimes I get pulled into these type of things working on, on Spreaker where people get really upset with each other and you just never know how far it can go. That's correct. And that's yeah. where, one, the contracts can protect you. And two, the insurance can protect you. And the insurance might not uh, pay out on a lawsuit for you, but most of the time it will provide some defense costs. And defense costs can sometimes be greater than what the liability lawsuit is. So having insurance is a really important thing for um, podcasters to be considering. And again, that's part of the team. And really the high level view of what we're talking about here is that when you start a podcast, you're really creating a small business. You're, that's what you're starting here. And, and and I know it can seem daunting because, you know, you have all the stuff you got to worry about on the podcasting side, and then you layer in all the stuff from the business side, and it can, it can be a little overwhelming. And 
you know, so what kind of resources out there can podcasters tap into that can really help streamline this process? From a business perspective, SBA, and this would be for the United States, SBA, the Small Business Administration, they have a great website with lots of resources. It's sba.gov. Underneath of SBA are three divisions. One is called SBDC, Small Business Development Centers. And they're in most cities throughout the U.S. Um, There's also SCORE, Service Corps of Retired Executives. And then there's the Women's Business Centers. And all three of those organizations are nonprofits. Most of the people are volunteers, though there are some paid staff at them. But they're there to help business owners. So they oftentimes do low-cost workshops that people can go and learn a lot about the business piece of it. SCORE, I know, offers free counseling. I believe that the women's business centers do as well. I'm not 100% sure about SBDC, but they're everywhere. And they're there to help the business owner be more successful and keep them out of hot water. So those are some really good resources. Yeah, and I'm sure that there's others out there too, actually probably in your local market, if you can you know, find a couple of you know, you can find an accountant or you can find a business attorney and just do some research yourself. I'm sure you can find out a lot of support help just by starting to build your team um, at the beginning of trying to create a business plan, too. That's kind of an interesting thing I just thought about. Should you start building your team before you create your business plan or should your business plan come first and then your team? What do you think? I think it's a combination. Okay. Uh, I think doing some education and understanding what do you know about bookkeeping? What do you not know? What do you need to know? Do you want to do it yourself? Do you not? You know, understanding about insurance and, you know, what kind of policy do I need to get? What do I not need? So that becomes part of the research mm-hmm. that is in some ways needed in order to create the business plan, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it does. I mean, I, I mean, not everybody's an expert at, at all aspects of either creating a business or building a business team, they can probably learn a lot from talking to some of these people to help them create their their business plan too, I would think. So I guess it depends on what your experience comes from um, going into the process. If you've created a business in the past, then this process is probably pretty straightforward. But uh, if you're new to starting your own business, it, you, you might want to ask some questions and do a lot of research and try and learn as much as you can uh, probably before you create your business plan. I, I don't know. What's your thoughts yeah. on that? No, the research is definitely good. Yeah. Here's a couple of thoughts. If you're working with an insurance agent, they don't charge you any money until you purchase the insurance. And if you, my suggestion is that you find somebody who is a business insurance agent, not just any insurance agent. But you can pick their brain and they'll give you some really good advice for free. The same with a banker. Bankers love to talk to small business owners because, you know, they're potential clients for them. Mm-hmm. And the advice that a banker gives is free as well. Now, if you're going to hire an accountant, a bookkeeper, an attorney, you're going to be paying by the hour for them nine out of ten times. Right. But oftentimes through the school or through the SBDC, you can find very low-cost workshops where these professionals will speak And you can get access to them to ask general questions before you go and hire them. So it's a kind of a low-cost way to get questions answered without having to put up the big bucks. That's great. The one thing that every business owner needs is a coach. A lot of business owners don't think that. But if you think about all the sports players, um, all the professional athletes, they all have coaches. And business owners need coaches as well. There's a lot to running a business. You know, podcasting is the business, but there's a lot to being a business owner. And a coach can always be a good resource for people as well. 
Debbie, how can uh, podcasters listening to this find you and maybe um, learn a bit more about this process for, from you? Are you doing some podcasts about um, creating a, a, a business around podcasting? or? I have a couple of different podcasts. One of them is called The Business of Insurance, but I'm really talking about the insurance industry more so than business itself. Mm -hmm. Another podcast I have is called Business in Real Life. And we do talk about different business issues. Like I have interviewed a human resource person talking about what business owners need with respect to hiring and firing. I have talked to somebody who's an estate planning attorney, although it's not directly related, but every one of my guests gives some good nuggets from that perspective. So they could check out that podcast as well. And I'm on the social platforms. LinkedIn is probably my favorite place to hang out. But you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook as well. Well, I'll put links to all those in the the show notes, and and you can certainly follow up uh, with Debbie and learn more about what she's up to, and you know, listen to some of her podcasts. It would be um, Debbie. I'm sure she would appreciate that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. All right. Hey, well, Debbie, thank you so much for joining us on the Speaker Live Show. It was great to have you on and sharing some tips on a topic that we just haven't covered before. So this has been terrific. Good. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Well, it was great having Debbie on the on the show this week, and um, we're going to wrap it up, um, the show this week. So thank you so much for spending time with me on the Speaker Live Show. It was great to have you along the journey. I hope you uh, picked up some, some good tips uh, around uh, creating a business plan for your podcast and talking about how to build podcaster communities um, as well as listener communities on the show this week. And certainly want to hear your feedback, send me an email, rob at spreaker.com, or you can just go to spreakerliveshow.com uh, page and go to the comments area and uh, leave your comment right on our show page. So, And obviously you can leave a comment on the Apple Podcasts area, iTunes uh, or any of the listening platforms, oftentimes they have a place to uh, add a comment. But uh, like I said, thank you so much for spending time with uh, me and the Speaker Live show uh, this week. We'll be back next week with another episode of the show. And uh, I can, like I said, I can be reached at rob at Spreaker.com. You can go to Spreaker if you want to become a podcaster. We'd love to have you join the, the team. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, we do have a special program uh, for shows that are between 1,000 and 2,000 plus downloads um, that we'd love to, we'd love to talk to you and see how we can work together to um, drive some more success for your show as well as um, monetize your show to, um, as best as we can. So uh, like I said, thank you so much for spending time with us and I hope to have you back with us uh, next week on the Speaker Live Show. 